Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So I was uh, driving back home today. I, I visited my hometown of Windsor, right across the border from Detroit. Bold of you to admit. Yes. I'm always very real about my roots. Um, and don't you dare come after Windsor like that. Anyways, I finally left Windsor, thank God. <laughs> uh, I was driving back home and um, was stopped and I got a quick text from Max. And I was like, did news drop? Because Max is like at a, like he's in D.C. right now for like a celebration. I was like, he's busy. Something must have happened. And I opened it and it's drop the pod, coward. I'm on a nine hour drive and dying of boredom. <laughs> Sorry, Max. So by the time you're listening to this, it'll probably be tomorrow. No, he'll he'll probably stay up tonight listening. But you'll be about halfway through that drive. I told him driving through Pennsylvania is really nice. I guess the best parts when you're leaving Pennsylvania. Mm-mm. There's some cracker barrel barrels along the way. Okay, those are uh, some fun. I think I haven't had to do nine hours. I've had to do seven hours recently. Oh, Montreal, Montreal, yeah. Auto like Ottawa and Montreal are rough. I do a lot of three, four hours. Um, but once you cross the five hour mark, it's just like, there's something about that threshold that gets me. I can't do that. I can, I do it, but it's just, I, it really takes it out of me. I used to go to Halliburton a lot when I was younger. So four hours has become my threshold because I've done that drive a ton. Mm-hmm. Anything beyond that's just like, why do people do this? Yeah. And then you remember in Europe, everything's like 10 minutes from each other. And that seems far more ideal. Um, Getting older as you have more friends, or maybe even you, if you're wealthy enough. Getting older, more friends. No, no, no. No, No, that goes the other way, my friend. You're in for some disappointment. Wait, what? (laughs) I didn't make any when I was young. Shit. I I know like six people now, and I don't even call half of them friends. I'm three of those people, aren't I? (laughs) Every side of you, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you, You get more friends, or you know more people who have cottages. And so you go to cottages more often. And at first, you're like, ooh, cottages. And you go, and you can drive a million years. And you're like, I don't care. I'll be at a cottage at the end. And then after it becomes somewhat regular for you, and you try to map out, like, maybe one day you'll have a cottage. And you're just like, I wish there was a bigger body of water closer to us. Because where we are, we're about three and a half hours away from the Muskoka's. Which is where every NHL player has a cottage. Like, if you really wanted to go expensive and shortest drive, Grand Bend's like an hour and a half. Do you really want a cottage? No, I definitely don't. Do you want a cottage within 100 kilometers or miles of London, Ontario? Yeah, no, that's a good call. You don't want that. No, I definitely don't want that. They're a little stabby. They venture out sometimes. This is true. I I realized this uh, hand motion I was doing there is not stabbing. I'm so happy we're on YouTube, because if (laughs) any... People find this exact point on the podcast on YouTube, and the gif ability of this is going to be legendary. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm not playing this up as much as I should, because I'm trying to cut you a little bit of a break here, but you just ruined your life. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I am the host formerly known as Ryan Hanna. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm Brad Crisco. Uh, Sleepy is not here today. Uh, in his no, stead, right here. In his stead, Brad has uh, taken over both roles. Uh, funny story, it is actually another long weekend here in Canada. In, uh, it's our civic holiday. And uh, we forgot in our planning. And so I was like, I'm going home this weekend. Uh, so we need to move to Sunday evening. Not thinking that we don't have work on Monday. You have work, I know, but you're weird. Um, and Evan was like, I'm going to be at the cottage. And I'm like, 
God, Evan, like, really? This weekend? It's only like a day and a half you'll have there. And we just went ahead with it. And then as I was driving home on Friday, I went, oh, it's a long weekend. We're dumb. We're dumb. We're dumb. We're dumb. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Now. But uh, today we're going to be recording an episode. We did scrounge up some news. Um, Additionally, there is uh, going to be a Patreon-exclusive episode released uh, halfway through this week. That is going to be recorded right after we're done this one, so uh, you guys won't be able to hear it till the middle of the week, just to spread it out a little bit. Um, just, we have to make up some time. I know we lost a little bit of time because the draft got crazy, um, and then July, I think we hibernated for half of it? I'm not really sure what happened in July. It's everything. I've not had any time. I'm so, I am so tired, Ryan. It is August. It is August. Can you believe that? Hey, I mean, I was outside and it was 32 degrees today, so yeah, before the humidity, so I can believe it. Did you get Crystal's uh, permission to post the baby names? Not yet. You gotta do that, man. We uh, do. Speaking of children, I had a funny moment of realization today. So Mika's current favorite game to play is baseball. But her version of baseball is we go to the park, mm-hmm. and she'll hit a few, because like, I can actually pitch to her and she'll hit it now. But she gets bored of that after like five minutes. She wants me to hit it really far and then race me to the ball, because she wins every time. Okay. Because, you know, she thinks she's faster than me and I'll let her have that because she's young and dumb. And as I was cranking dingers with this plastic ball and this pink wiffle ball bat, I realized the fact I can put this out of the infield, I got a shot at making the Tigers or Jays this year. <laughs> like, truly and honestly. Not that I'm good, but I mean, I'm making contact with the ball, so that puts me in at least the upper echelon of each of those teams' lineup. Mm-hmm. You would bat, what, two spots behind uh, Guerrero? I think I'd probably get... I'd slot six in the order right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's... The state of baseball is pretty sad for both of us. Because you're a Jays fan. I'm a Tigers fan. Yeah, it's bad. At least the young bats in Toronto are... Like, Bichette and Biggio and Guerrero are, are fun. The rest of the team just makes me want to cry. I mostly spend my time looking at pictures of Verlander and slowly stroking my computer screen. Okay, you're not allowed to get angry over uh, former pitchers of your favorite team in Houston because the Jays traded one who immediately threw a no-hitter for the Astros. Shut up. Combined no-hitter. So Aaron Sanchez's first start as an Astro, he went six no-hit innings, and then the bullpen came in and closed it out. Are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) I'm dying inside because... Today in the Winged Wheel podcast, we're going to get to hockey. We're sorry. It's the offseason. The World Junior Summer Showcase uh, just wrapped up, I believe, yesterday. Um, We are going to be talking about some goings-on around the league. Um, Firing in Minnesota, some big-name... Oh, my God, that's going to be a fun topic. Yeah, big-name trade, signing, light update on that, and then we're going to do some uh, profiles depending on where time takes us. And then we're going to get to overtime. Uh, Yeah, the World Junior Summer Showcase. Long story short, Valeno, good. Lafreniere, also good. That's two Red Wings prospects are looking up. <laughs> I, I thought there, there was um, a tweet that went out. I think it was TSN or whoever. Valeno and Lafreniere finding chemistry, yada, yada, yada. So, or like form a dynamic duo. So I just quote tweeted, said, well, you might as well start getting chemistry for the 2020 season. That tweet got way more traction than it should have. That was depressing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I Although I, I appreciate people being pragmatic a lot. I'm genuinely noticing... Uh, among the Red Wings fan base, there are a lot fewer people uh, at this point in the offseason who are just so bored that they actually delude themselves into thinking this will be a playoff team next year. And that's not to say, like, you should always feel bad about the Red Wings. No, no, no. But, like, legitimately the state of this team right now, this isn't a team that's going to be in competition for the Cup next year. I feel like this time last year we had a lot more of that than we do this year. 
I've received maybe a small handful of comments that said, I don't know, a few things go right, and an asteroid hits, you know, the other 29 teams. 30. Uh, oh, well, they need someone to play in the cup finals. Do they? <laughs> then we're not getting a cup. <laughs> and the Red Wings could make the playoffs. Um, there have, hasn't been that much of that. So good job, everyone. We're getting better. Um, we're going to get through this one drink at a time. Mm-hmm. The I feel really bad for doing it. I felt like such a jerk. Um, her name's escaping me. Beat writer. Helene? Yeah, Helene. Helene St. James. Uh, just put out, uh, she put out a piece about um, Vegas odds on the Red Wings, and their Red Wings were ranked second lowest behind Ottawa, and they, Vegas had them at like 200 to 1. And she put out a piece on, um, you know, why, I think her headline was why that might be a little harsh, and she just focused on some like, uh, you know, silver linings and strong points of the team. I'm going to be speak completely transparently here i didn't actually read the article in its entirety so and this isn't a comment on the article i just saw that headline and i saw that they ranked them 200 to 1 and i made this stupid joke where i was like so uh the red wings vegas line is 200 to 1 which means that if you bet 20 dollars on the red wings winning the cup you will lose 20 dollars <laughs> <laughs> and again that got way more traction than it should and i was just like oh, i kind of feel like a jerk now that's okay. She is, she knows. Well, yeah, I, I don't think like, she knows, but I just feel remember, like... Remember, it's 200-1 to 1 to win the cup. That feels generous to me. Yeah, it really does. Because, like, if there I, was I long odds to I make said. the... There, there's a reality in which I could see every single thing going absolutely right for the Red Wings this year and Jimmy Howard playing out of his mind, and they maybe squeak into a playoff spot. Yeah. Like, that's fathomable. But then you're telling me they're going to win four playoff series after that? No, I'd give them 2,000 to 1. I don't even know if I'd make the $20 bet at that point. Uh, I genuinely believe the Red Wings winning the Cup this year would be a bigger upset than Leicester City winning the Premiership. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, <laughs> just to give um, our they were what fifteen hundred to one that season. I think fifteen or twenty five hundred or something like that. But I don't know. Hockey's hockey's always ranked a little bit more. Okay, well, because that's my point though. Is like in the way the Premiership works is it's just regular season, and then most points. Congratulations, you win the championship. Yeah. Even that year, as good as Leicester was, if they had to go up against, I don't know, who are the other big teams that year, Tottenham or Liverpool or whoever, in like a seven-game series, are you confident they're going to win that? Yeah. So even if Detroit squeaks in, are they getting through Toronto or Tampa? No. If they score a goal that series, I'll take it as mission accomplished. Detroit makes it as an eighth seed and plays Tampa Bay as a first seed. How do they both lose in a sweep? The asteroid you were talking about. <laughs> yes, I knew it. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's uh, some... Self-deprecation. So anyways, Joe Valeno, good. Yeah, Joe Valeno, uh, he had a great showing. The World Junior Summer Showcase was um, a lot of things. Uh, Otto Kivin Mackey had some good outings there. Yeah, um, good. Now, people need to... Okay, self-admitted, very biased Kivin Mackey fanboy myself. Yeah, yeah. People need to understand, though, that Kivin Mackey being good at something like this does not equate to him making the NHL. With his, we'll say, dimensions... And the way type of game he plays, he needs to be nothing short of exceptional to be an NHL player, just so everybody's aware on that, because I think people think very good junior player at 5'3", 112 pounds, equates NHL player. No, no, no. He needs to be exceptional. I'm not saying he's not going to get there. His trend upwards over the last year and a half has been phenomenal, so there's absolutely a chance that's going to happen. But I just don't want people to get their hopes too high. For Kevin Mackey to establish himself as a realistic NHL candidate in the next three years, he'd probably be playing first line for Finland at the World Juniors. 
like that level of exceptional. He has to have a phenomenal World Juniors to keep going at the pace that he is. Not to yeah. say like it's a make or break thing. He's done very well over the past year. I mean, eight months. Yeah. Like, um, let's not forget, even though different types of players, different dimensions, yada yada yada. Axel Holmstrom set U twenty scoring records in Sweden in the playoffs and has already flamed out in Grand Rapids. So yeah, he's already gone back to Sweden. Um, yeah, th- so, but still, that was a qualifier. Yeah, altogether, the weekend considered a good showing from Kevin Mackey. Valena looked great. Valena really has an opportunity here to, um, like, if, if all goes well for Team Canada, jumping up and playing that first-line center role, this could be a phenomenal Christmas season for him, especially for his development. The, the one... <laughs> One thing that wasn't mentioned a lot watching all the, the TSN and Sportsnet coverage is a very, not likely, but real possibility Leno's not on Team Canada this year. You think so? He might be in Detroit. I I'm not betting on that, but it's a possibility that nobody seems to be discussing. discussing. Have you seen the Red Wings? They're bad. There's openings. He might take one. He's, uh, I think but the the team won't be competitive enough where Stevie wouldn't release him, though. I don't think. I, yeah, that I tend to agree with. Unless he's, like, playing real well, where they're like, no, 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 we can't take him out of his groove. Which, yeah, if he's playing so well where he makes a team, then that's the kind of realm we're working in where that yeah. is a possibility. That being said, it's not a likelihood that he makes no. a team. No, and if he does make Team Canada, there's a very... Is he the top? candidate to be the captain of that team right now possibly yeah because he's only one of a few returning players jared mckisaac ironically being one of the others but jared mckisaac is funny well, well, well i'm gonna save that for a pro yeah he, he's our prospect pro profile later this episode spoiler yeah uh yes it was all i think um i i really like that they do the summer showcase it's easy to get too deep into something which is essentially just a weekend shinny <laughs> Yeah. In the summer, but um, they try real hard. But they do try real hard because they're uh, trying to make a team. Cole Caulfield is going to prove, you know, thirteen teams very stupid, twelve teams very stupid. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely like. That's he, dramatic. He led the tournament in scoring. He, uh, Alexi Lafreniere was at this tournament. Ryan, he scores from everywhere. He just scores from everywhere at will. That that one goal, people do not appreciate. How ridiculous that goal was. The tight angle one. Yeah, to, to the layman's eye, that just looks like a really good shot from a bad angle. And it's like, oh, well, we see guys score from all the time from bad angles. few things here. Normally, those are bank-ins off something. They're from closer. And it's because the player has no other play, so he just dumps the puck to the net. It's not just impressive that Cole Caulfield hit that impossible shot. Who in their right mind even thinks of taking that shot? There was no screen. He had time to look for other plays, and he decided that was the best play. That's the type of shot, if you miss and that rings around the boards, the coach is stapling your ass to the bench next shift for being stupid. But this guy knows he can but do he, it and does it. Score. That's the biggest difference. Like People don't realize if you know you can score from there, yeah, he's not going to hit that every time. But if you know you can score from there, like that is absolutely the thing is okay. If if for you guys watching the goal, watch the watch his stick. His stick is pointing past, and his body language is pointing past out into the upper slot that whole time. His transition from 
show pass to shoot the shot, which, which is a ridiculous shot to even hit, happens all in one fluid motion. It is so quick. If you blinked, you missed it. How, how thick is a puck? About an inch and, inch and a half? Yeah, it's an inch and a half, maybe. Inch and a half, cool. He had about an inch and three quarters above Gravel's shoulder to put that in. He's showing pass, showing pass, showing pass. Bring it in. Unreal 0.1% shot without even setting. If players want to hit that shot, they're looking at it in their setting, and then they take their shot. The guy's a freaking goal It's scorer. not worth talking about what other players would do on that shot because other players aren't attempting that shot. They're not thinking about that shot. They know they can't score that shot. He he was like, mm, this is a 0.1% shot. I want to increase it to 0.8%. I'm going to show pass to move the goalie <laughs> a three millimeters so I can fit this in there. Oh, nice. It worked. Cool. I'm going to go to the bench now. I'll score again later. That's Cole Caulfield's slots. Yeah. He told me. Sources, my brain. <laughs> okay. Now let's talk about Sweden. Because there's a Red Wing. Two right. Red Wings yeah, John, there. Jonathan Berger. And then, Two Red Wings, right? Yeah. Eliasson was the goalie. Yep. He was all right. Let in more goals than you'd like. But if you broke down each goal individually, none of them were egregious that you'd yell at him for. So It's a summer showcase. I'm not going to hold it. It's a passing goalie. grade. Berger was good. Yeah. One of Sweden's better players. You can tell he's still rusty. Mm-hmm. You could tell there were there were moments his pace was just off. That'll come in time. I'm not worried about that. Berggren's still projecting to be a very good player. But I want to talk about someone else on Sweden. Two other players on Sweden, but one specifically. I know the 2020 draft is the Alexi Lafreniere draft. And right now, in my mock draft, I have Lafreniere going number one. Okay? Anyone who thinks that he is a clear-cut, no-doubt number one isn't paying attention. I've got two words for you. Lucas Raymond. This kid is special. He was probably the best player for Sweden at this tournament, and he's 17. Still plays with the cage. <laughs> like, he's going to be an underager for this World Junior. Alexi Lafreniere is going to be playing in the same World Junior, but you have to understand Lafreniere's a late birthday. Lucas Raymond's a full year younger. Not a full year, but he's a year younger than Lafreniere. And he is also dominating at almost the same pace Lafreniere is. Paired with Alex Holtz, who's arguably Sweden's next best player, who is the same age. This is the draft where if the Red Wings just pick in the top 10, we're getting a, we're getting a grand slam. This draft is stupid if they get in the top two. It's unreal. If you want to know who Lucas Raymond is, imagine Mitch Marner. That's the end of my state. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do you something here. And Leafs fans, feel free to crucify me if I have Marner all wrong. Let's say Lucas Raymond has a completely upwards trajectory into the NHL and pans out as, as well as he's showing right now. Lucas Raymond has a stronger two-way game. Let, let's put it... Lucas Raymond is nuts in, in every zone of the ice. He is a like he makes disgusting plays offensively, but that does not come at a sacrifice of defensive awareness and play going in the other direction. The reason I love this draft and I am so excited to cover Lafreniere and Raymond all year is because their ba- the biggest skill for both of them is my favorite thing to watch. They think they're they're, th- they're three yes, <laughs> Ryan they're underage. That's creepy. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Lafreniere might be 18. You No, no, late birthday. He's still 17, Ryan. You're not off the hook. Oh, uh, shoot. Anyways. Oh, that's bad. They're always three steps ahead of everybody else. Mentally. They are just so smart on the ice. They know. 
Did you see, like, for Lafreniere, an example, did you see the one goal that Kirby Doc scored? It was dumped into Lafreniere. Lafreniere just decides, hey, I got defensive on either side of me. I'm pretty sure, or he probably knew Joel Valeno was behind him. He's like, I'm just going to one-time backhand whack this through my own legs mm-hmm. towards the blue line. Oh, here comes Valeno. Valeno, oh, waits three defensemen tap in for Doc. That's stupid. Ray, Lucas Raymond had a play. It didn't result in a goal, but he was, like, in triple coverage in front of the net, facing basically the far corner of the blue line and somehow knew Alex Holtz was sitting back door on the net and just again threw his legs right on the tape goalie made a great save on Holtz but it's just that's that's nonsense no human being shouldn't be able to process that let alone at 17 years old we call it um we we call it vision we call it hockey IQ we call it playmaking but in reality there's uh it's wizardry. Yeah, there's a certain level that these guys reach where there's like a level of intuition there where you look at them you're like, "Oh, that that's special." They have this skill set to a special degree. Like other guys who have great playmaking aren't where these guys are. These guys are playing a different sport here. And, you know, not to say that these guys are definitely like that. We're not saying these guys are all going to be like the magic man out here, but the kind of play that Brad just described, that's the kind of stuff where you, you're you watching it in juniors and you'll see the scouts just kind of put down their notepads and go, holy shit. <laughs> so here's just some quick Lucas Freeman stats to put some things in perspective. In uh, under-18 competition for Sweden last year, at the U18 uh, Halenka, he had eight points in seven games. As a 16-year-old, through all U18 plays, so again, as an underager, he had 21 points in 18 games. And then you go to Sweden's Super Elite Junior League, which is a 20, uh, which is an under 20 league. He had 48 points in 37 games, as some where a majority of that league is probably four years older than him. Yeah, that's good for Bitcoin. That's real good for Bitcoin. And don't forget, his running mate, Alexander Holtz, ain't that far behind. Mm -mm. Like... That Sweden's crop this year is nuts. It's it's insane. And then you have Anton Lundell, who's playing for Finland at this. He's another top 10 pick. Actually, everybody, a question we get a lot throughout the year is like, how do you guys, as two idiots from Ontario, know so much about juniors? Your first impression, if you want to try and keep up with any scouts, starts on Monday with the Holinka tournament. Yeah. Most of the draft eligible players. Mind you, these guys won't be there because they're too good for it. Actually, Raymond might be. Uh, Lafreniere's too old. But... You'll start getting your first look at all the top-end draft eligibles. For Canada, you'll have Justin Barron, Jamie Drysdale, Cole Perfetti, and all every team's top draft-eligible guys are going to be at this tournament. A lot of good names this year. This draft is stupid good. Yeah. Like I said, we said last year's was weak. This year's was really good. Next year's crushes this year's. Yeah. Like it's it's we're spoiled. To give you an it's idea, it's a good year to suck. Yeah. To give you an idea of how good Lafreniere and Raymond are projected to be, uh, they're both wingers, and not for a second should that stop anyone from drafting them. First for, overall. First overall. Alexi Lafreniere, if I'm not mistaken, won CHL Player of the Year last year in the. Yeah. Yeah. He had the second highest points per game in the QMJHL. Evan, who uh, had the highest? You're right. It was Joe Valeno. Wow. Evan, thanks for contributing. Go back to the cottage, buddy. <laughs> Evan doesn't list to, listen to episodes, so uh, no, he'll never know that we do this to him. We can say whatever we want. <laughs> we already do kind of say whatever, even when he's here. Yeah. Poor guy. Anyways. Anyways. Keep- anyways. Yeah. Watch the Holinka. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, yeah. and, and my boy made it. My my guy I've been trumpeting all year, Donovan Sobrango from Kitchener, made Team Canada. So, uh, Biggest takeaway from the World Junior Summer Showcase is that, um, obviously, 
Jack Hughes is a product of Cole Caulfield. Yes. I think that's what we can conclude. We can definitely. Can. Weird that Jack Hughes wasn't there. Bizarre. Wonder why. Capo Caco didn't even bother. Maybe were they, they missed their train. Were they sick? I don't know. They might have something to do. Um, Paul Fenton was fired as the general manager of Minnesota. Tell me you read that article on The Athletic. Oh, did I ever. Wow. That 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 whole article just struck as like a conversation two co-workers have after like an assistant manager gets canned from mm-hmm. a Sears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like finally they can say what they've outwardly been saying for some time now, but just to like five or six more people who maybe didn't know. Like if you are that bad where all this comes out less than a week after you've been fired, you must have screwed up. You know what the worst part is? The first like four reasons he was fired weren't even hockey decisions, <laughs> which would have been justifiable. When one of his hockey decisions was to trade Nino Niederreiter for Victor Rask, and they never scouted Victor Rask. Uh, they had retreats to um, different like I think they had a retreat to Florida for their staff. And uh, they didn't invite their two uh, top-end analytics staff, the people who... Were they the one, the founders of War on Ice? Yeah, Alexandra Mandricki and Andrew, Andrew Thomas. Thomas. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they let Andrew Thomas's contract expire, proceeded to be a complete train wreck uh, of a management team, and then Alexandra promptly left. Yeah, she's um, now in Seattle. Yeah, and has already kicked things off with a great GM hire with Ron Francis over there. Yeah. When you have two people like that and those people are screaming at you to not trade, um, need a writer for Victor Rask. And then you just don't listen to them. It's uh, not a great sign outwardly. That's been known for some time. And then now all this is coming out where he would just like harass people about leaks. So anytime anything did leak, which happens a lot in sports media um people were like walking on eggshells like, we know this we've received some of them <laughs> not from minnesota but no like quite a few at this point and uh we appreciate it guys don't stop please don't, we need this don't listen to the paul fentons of the world <laughs> leaks are good uh yeah there is just a whole slew of things outlined in that article and it's just like man how did you not see this coming as a hiring manager if you're hiring this person all of that can't have been a surprise. And if it did, you cannot be the one hiring at that point. You have to give the authority to someone else. So that leads, I'm glad you said that. Cause that leads me into a point. Cause as soon as this happened, I actually was one of the few people that went out and uh, defended uh, Leopold on Twitter. Cause I'm like, yeah, this is terrible timing to fire a GM, but if it's that bad, good to get it out of the way. Who cares about bad timing? You have to solve a problem. Should you have solved it maybe two months earlier? Yeah, but hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, we don't know what the straw that broke the camel's back was. I'm assuming it was recent, even though everybody's going to say publicly, no, it was just, you know, culmination of things. There was probably something. Now, I gave him the benefit of the doubt until I found out the second person they interviewed to replace him was Peter Shirelli. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, really yeah, that. so any goodwill. Yeah, no, so getting back to what you said about you probably shouldn't be doing the hiring. Yeah, he definitely shouldn't be doing the hiring. How, 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 how is Shirelli interviewed anywhere? I just, I really need to know because, yes, I understand he might be respected and people might like him. I'm a likable person. You shouldn't hire me right now to be a hockey general manager. Shut up, Brad. Don't say it. I didn't say anything. I can see you think. 
You're you need right to there. improve your self-confidence, Ryan. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I have imposter syndrome, Brad. Thanks for making it worse. Everybody has imposter syndrome, Ryan. Except for Paul Fenton. Anyways. Um, He made... You legitimately could pick any span of four months and pick out three critical errors that Peter Torelli made as uh, Edmonton GM. Or Boston. Or Boston. So here's where I'm going to... I'm actually going to defend this a little bit and argue against myself just because... It's important to note that even though we disagree with something so asinine, like considering Peter Shrelly for a GM, you have to look at this from Minnesota standpoint and based on everything we've heard from Peter Shrelly. Now, what we see of Peter Shrelly is laughably bad hockey decisions, but everything else that we've heard about Peter Shrelly is when it comes to the actual management part of being a general manager Apparently, he's really good at that. Managing up in the organization, managing down, corralling everybody, getting everybody in the organization on the same page. He is good at averting dysfunction. Not Does not equate good GM, but it's a good skill to have. have so him as a director of personnel then. Yeah, exactly. Put him in like a Shanahan role or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can understand where Minnesota is just coming from. Arguably the most dysfunctional front office we've seen since the Harold Ballard days in Toronto and not including Ottawa anything. You probably want just your house in order. And if Shirelli is a guy that can clean that up quickly, I can see the appeal there. But his hockey decisions are so horrifyingly bad. You can't do that. You just can't. Now that all this information is public, all the actual facts and hiring processes aside, you can't hire Peter Shirelli. Your fan base is in chaos right now, ready to shoot anything and everybody into the sun. The optics of this next hire matter, whether you want to admit it or not. Do you remember when uh, Edmonton wanted to promote Keith Gretzky to full-time GM and they actually didn't do it because they were worried about the optics of it? It's like, yeah, that's a good decision. <laughs> From a Okay, because here's the thing that people often misunderstand. We as hockey fans, all of us are guilty of this misunderstand. These hockey teams are businesses. If the fan base is pissed off, you're losing revenue, thus losing profit. So if you do something like promote a Keith Gretzky or hire a Peter Shirelli, your fan base is going to revolt, which is going to hurt your bottom line. And not every organization is the Maple Leafs or the Red Wings or the Rangers, and they can sustain three, four, five bad years of fans being pissed off because we will come back no matter what. Minnesota is a fairly new organization. Now, Minnesota is a great hockey state, but they're not a team that I... I think could survive five just truly catastrophic years where the fan base is pissed every step along the way for a team that's made it to the playoffs, like nearly every year in the past decade, they really don't have a lot of success to show. No, the, the Minnesota wild of the last 10 years were so we can relate direct there. Basically the 2010 to 2015 Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. Just, you knew it was bad, but it wasn't bad enough to get high picks Etc. Etc. You get stuck in this loop of mediocrity. Minnesota's just still there, been there longer. And the the sad thing is, the analytics of the Minnesota Wild last year say they were a little unlucky, and they should actually improve this year. Think about that. They're they're not a contender. They don't have a chance. I'm not going to say they don't have a chance. We're talking about a team that was dead last in the NHL, January second, winning the cup. Realistically, in a just world, they don't have a chance. Um. Yeah, that, it'll be interesting to see who gets hired there. They don't. They did also hire Ron or uh, interview Ron Hextall, which I think was a good interview. And they've reached out to some other people across that's, the league. That's going to be interesting because Ron Hextall. Now, 
I agree Ron Hextall, out of everybody who's available, is probably the right hire. Um, he had the right approach in Philly, which is, let's be patient, let the prospects develop, grow this naturally. Leopold's already said he's not interested in that. He wants to make the playoffs this year, whereas Minnesota, above all other teams, is probably in the most desperate need of a, we need to be bad, we need high picks, we need to rebuild. Because, again, look at Minnesota as they are now. They are in the same position as Detroit. Yeah, there's a lot of good players on that roster. They have more than Detroit does. But there's a lot of bad contracts, and what are they lacking? Truly elite talent and truly elite top-end prospects. And until they get those things, I'm sorry, you're not getting better. Leopold. Leopold is the uh, owner in that stupid meme I made. The one with the dog. That oh, one. God. Yeah. I was. I actually almost didn't post it, and I was like, I'm bored enough. I'm not even going to explain it on air. Uh, other news around the league, Nikita Gusev got traded like the day after we recorded last. Um, Boy, was Red Wings Twitter fun after that, even though it was a trade that had nothing to do with the Red Wings. So Gusev was traded to the Devils, holy crap, Devils, um, for a 2023rd and a 2021 second. So a uh, second and a third round pick for Gusev was what Vegas got, and then Gusev was promptly signed to a two-year deal worth four and a half per year? Four and a half per year. Um, okay, let's talk about this from New Jersey's standpoint first. This was a great trade for New Jersey, and Vegas got fair, I'm not going to say great, but fair value in return. He's an unknown commodity because he played in the KHL. Given his recent dominance, and I do mean dominance in the KHL, it's a risk worth taking, but again, a risk nonetheless. I mean, Vadim Shipachev was supposed to be something special when he came over too. So... Vegas didn't have the cap space. They unloaded him, got a decent return. Okay, fair. New Jersey is taking a gamble because they're, last season, they were a very bad hockey team. And they're giving up futures to get a 27-year-old who is a UFA after two years. But you look at the rest of New Jersey's offseason, getting Subban, getting Wayne Simmons, drafting Jack Hughes. And then you factor in the fact that last year they were bad, but... He sure missed a lot of time with injury. Hall missed most of the season with injury and a good amount of their roster. They, no team probably got hit harder by the injury bug last year than New Jersey. Schneider didn't w- get a win until like February. Yeah. New Jersey, even before this trade, was a, a good candidate for a turnaround season. Yeah. They just need a save. They might be the prime candidates for Jimmy Howard at the deadline right now if everything's going well for them, but Schneider's not giving them enough of a save. They're giving. It's a bad team giving up futures, which isn't great, but it's a risk worth taking since New Jersey is a team that can turn this around quick. Because Gusev could be an immediate I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is. Impact player? Impact player, yeah, we'll go with that. He's a guy that may put up 50, 60 points this year. Best case scenario is Panarin 2.0. Worst case scenario is Shipachev. Odds are he falls somewhere in the, somewhere in the middle. So I'd say, if I had to bet, I'd say Gusev puts up 50-ish this points this year. You trade a third and a second for a guy who's going to get maybe back-to-back 50-point seasons. That's a great trade. And again, Gusev could be the that straw, that, that final hurdle that New Jersey gets over to put them back into the playoffs. Because the Metro's good, but the Metro's not dominant. Every team in that division has a legitimate argument to say they're going to be good this year. But no team in that division has an argument to say they are going to dominate this year. It's wide open for those top three spots and New Jersey is doing everything in their power to grab one of them and I love what they've done this offseason there's a there's a lot of criticism uh there's like the other side of the coin where people were saying well the two-year four and a half million dollar per year deal is not great because you just gave up 
um, a second and a third, and then now not insignificant money for a guy who's never played an NHL game. Uh, and then this year, this contract's going to take him right to UFA status free agency. Um, so say he comes out, he has two great seasons. He's now going to demand nine, nine and a half million dollars a year at the end of it. He's going to be 29 years old. And what are you going to do? So did you really just give up a second and a third for that guy? And that's, you know, that's fair. I think you really have to look at this uh, from a consideration of where your team is. If you're so far back as like in Ottawa or even Detroit, I can definitely see the argument to say in this next these next two years, we don't need a needle mover. That's 27 years old. and It's going to be 29 at the end of it. Like he just won't do anything for this team. We maybe even want to tank. Um, so, yeah, we don't want to move that second and a third. The flip side of the coin is if you have a guy who could end up being a Panarin, paying a second and a third is kind of just something that you maybe have to do. Not every contract situation is going to be perfect. Not every player is going to be a 20-year career player with you. You're not going to get every player on a cost-controlled or a low-cap hit cost-controlled contract um, over the term that you like. It's not always going to shake out that way. Sometimes you need to make some sacrifices, uh, take a couple big cuts just to uh, afford the big talent. Both arguments have their merit. I can definitely see why the Devils did it. I can see why a lot of other teams maybe didn't want to pay that price. I don't love that return for Vegas. Um, That being said, I understand why the return was as it is. I think they could have swung something better, but they don't exactly have a great history with trades. They paid a first, a second, and a third for Tomas Tatar, which I think was a gross overpay. Thank you for Joe Valeno. Um, Who's the other pick that it was? It's the trades, what? Valeno and... Master Simone, I believe, right now. Oh, for, was Master Simone? I think it was. I think Master Simone was the guy we took with that second round pick. So then, and we've got a third round pick coming up. Uh, mm. Not this draft, the draft after, I believe. Really? I thought. It was yeah, I think it's twenty. I think it's twenty twenty one. There was oh. a year in between. So, yeah, Master Simone and Valeno for Tatar. Yeah, that's looking good. But um, yeah, you're right. Twenty twenty one. And here's the thing, too, just to address the devil's risk here uh, with him being a free agent. If Gusev is commanding eight, nine, ten million dollars on his next contract, that means something has went very right for New Jersey over the past, over these two years. They're not going to complain about that. And if he's commanding nine million, odds are the Devils are a good team, which means okay, he walks. They're in a good spot on the salary cap right now, so they're probably not going to screw themselves if they play their cards over the next couple of years. So even if he walks, they could probably replace him with someone else via trade or free agency. Doesn't mean it has to be him. They'll be a destination now. They'll be a good up-and-coming team. Heischer's young. Um, Jack Hughes is young. If they manage to retain Taylor Hall, he ain't that old. So they they could be a destination for other free agents. So they might not have a hard time luring a replacement if Gusev decides to go elsewhere. You know uh, what team can afford to give up draft capital to acquire these kind of players and take these risks? A team who has won two draft lotteries in recent years. Yeah, I. that's the one thing that's really irking me is just how Im- you look at teams around the league and all of the rebuilds that are going well, mm-hmm. almost universal draft lottery luck attached to it, and yeah. it's killing me. Um, but um, And if Gusev is commanding that much money, so you'll have Taylor Hall on a mega contract, Gusev's demanding you know, a $9, $10 million contract, that's fine because Heischer and Hughes will still be on ELCs. Yeah. So... You're kind well, of, he sure won't be. He sure won't be. 
but he depending on what his extension looks like yeah. uh, although this this year this crop of rfas might change the entire game but he sure's uh injuries thus far may actually play in new jersey's favor because he's been great but he hasn't had a huge season because he hasn't played a full season so that might jersey's pretty well positioned they're greatly positioned which leads me into my next point because every welcome to the wing wheel podcast where everything relates back to the red wings I said I liked that deal, really liked that deal from New Jersey standpoint. I would not have made the same deal if I'm Steve Eisenman as the GM of the Detroit Red Wings. If you take the same return and the same cap hit, I, I don't do it. Just because Detroit's, as you alluded to earlier, not in that spot. It's less for me about, about the draft picks and more about where they are positionally. Um, I have a tinfoil hat theory, which I've kind of been holding back on really pushing too much because I understand it's an old argument and it's kind of pointless to make, but again, welcome to the off season. I think Eisman's assessment was not only do we have to stop this whole, you know, try to stop ourselves from falling off the cliff and just let ourselves fall off the cliff. I think he's jumping. I think he's jumping downwards. I genuinely believe that there's a little bit of an aggressive tank going on. How dare you assume Valtteri Fulpel and Patrick Nemeth are not the answers. I like, he's not, you know, trading away key assets, but he's definitely not doing things to move the needle in a positive direction. And I think that's very intentional because he knows these next two seasons are lost causes, at least this next one, these next two seasons. Um, why not try to maximize? You look at Lafreniere, you look at Holtz, you look at Raymond, all these guys you have in front like Drysdale, all these guys you have in front of you, you want one of these. And then the year thereafter, you want another piece like that. I'm not going to say he's pushing us off the cliff. I'm just saying he's not pulling the emergency brake. Right? Like, his parachute hasn't gone out. Yeah, he's he know, he's jumping out of the car, like, right when he gets to the edge of the cliff, because he knows the damage that's about to come, and we just have to ride it out. Survive the crash, and move on to fight another day. And it's not something I'm going to, like, stick on and shout from the rooftops, because no one likes... I, I genuinely hate what that argument always devolves into, like, the tanking versus not tanking argument, and what really is tanking, and is it morally or ethically sound in terms of sports... And it's never going to be publicized. And it's not like he, they, he sat in a meeting one day and said, no, we're going to tank. I genuinely believe it's just like a philosophical. There's no point in grabbing this 27-year-old whose good years aren't going to be contributing to any kind of real success that this team can have within the next three to five. I'm going to be really curious to see what his next offseason looks like. Not necessarily that I, I'm going to say he's going to go out and sign a Tory Krug or anything, but the Red Wings are going to have an absolute ton of cap space and an abundance of roster spots. That is the sum. If, if you wanted to New Jersey it up next summer, he has the options to do that, to make some bold moves, start ramping upwards. I don't know if I would do it that soon. I think another high pick benefits him, but I could see, I could absolutely see him doing that because again, even if you don't plan on being good for the 2021 season, you probably want to start the upward trajectory at that point so you're good for 21-22. It doesn't happen overnight. That's the thing. Even though we're talking about New Jersey's turnaround here, let's not forget, they got decimated by injuries this season and made the playoffs the year before. So this isn't shocking if they're good this year. Uh, another trade we're not going to fixate too much on. Um, Tampa Bay got rid of Ryan Callahan's contract. They traded Ryan Callahan in a fifth uh, for Mike Condon in a sixth. I don't know. I did not know the details of the trade other than the parameters of it when it broke. And I just immediately looked at when I bet you Ottawa spending less actual money here. 
Sure enough. So for uh, if you want a truly tortured fan base, it's a fan base that pretty much made a meaningless pick swap, took a bigger cap hit just to pay less real dollars. That is terrible hockey business. My favorite part about this was... Fewer real dollars. It was... What were the picks? It was Tampa's fourth round pick was swapped with Ottawa's fifth? Nah. If sixth for fifth. Okay. So back-to-back rounds. And it was... Tampa was the fifth round pick. It was Ottawa's sixth round pick, correct? Yeah. Fantastic. These could be back-to-back picks. Yeah. Ottawa finishes dead last. Tampa wins a cup. These picks are back-to-back. <laughs> okay. So if you're um, an Ottawa fan and you're saying, so literally the only reason we didn't get a great pick in return for taking on that cap hit is because our owner is cash poor. Yeah, you'd be correct. Yep. Ottawa is... It's almost... If it weren't so sad, it's impressive how few dollars they're actually spending to get where their cap hit is at. Eugene Melnick is bad for this league. Plain and simple. Eugene Melnick is bad for this league. Patrick Marlowe had this to be shipped. Is a recording. Patrick Marlowe had to be shipped with a first round pick. And Tampa Bay, they essentially for free got rid of Ryan Callahan. For free. That's ter- if I'm any other team competing with Tampa Bay, I'm going. Oh, what the hell, right? And remember when Ottawa wouldn't trade Mike Hoffman to another team in their own division? All that's out the window now. Yeah, they're just like here, Tampa. Let's let's make sure you get that cup. I'm kind of mad at Pierre Dorian for even giving me half a second and defending him over the at the past trade deadline because he's just- <sighs> he's not making any decisions. That's why I'm defending him. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. You don't have he's, to. He's a glorified sock puppet. Anyway, speaking of Tampa, what do, you know what, do you know what irritates me? What? Every single major RFA this summer is still unsigned, except Sebastian Ajo, the guy who signed an offer sheet, and one of next year's major RFAs just signed an extension. Oh, yeah. How? Why? Come on. Andre Vasilevsky uh, signed a eight-year, $9.5 million per year. Um contract extension is it all right for me to say i really like andre vasilevsky as a goalie he's probably worth nine and a half million per season but i hate that contract for tampa bay absolutely no you can say that well you look uh, and this again i know i've I've talked about this before i defended the price contract at the time and i think when he's at the top of his game yeah objectively he's worth that money but you look at every single team that's that's been competitive in the playoffs for the past decade or so you are hard-pressed to find a goalie making mega millions the fact that any goalie can get hot and bring you to a cup means that your money technically is better spent elsewhere. That doesn't mean that you they should have let Vasilevsky walk, by no means. But it's sometimes you look at that and you're going to go, I sure hope he's hot when they need him to be hot because that's a lot of money that they can't use elsewhere. I find myself arguing over this contract because Tampa is very much one of those teams. I'm like, you put in a league average goalie into their net and they're still the best team in the league. But they're also in a position right now where there's no guarantee that if you lose Vasilevsky, you're going to replace him with anybody else. You might end up with a Scott Darling type in there for all you know. So you're overpaying for the assurances that you're going to have at least a good goalie for the foreseeable future. So I don't know if I hate the contract because Tampa doesn't need it or if I like the contract because Tampa now has security at a position and they just have to let the rest of the team do their thing now. 
I don't know. This is interesting. I, I think Tampa's really banking on a ca- the cap hit skyrocketing over the next few years because this is this is the importance of other contracts. Getting Victor Hedman cheap. Yeah. Getting Steven Stamkos cheap. Getting Nikita Kucherov under market value. This is why it matters because then when you have another super important piece of your roster up, overpaying him doesn't cripple you. No, yeah, absolutely. It's just because it hasn't been done before doesn't mean that this won't be a good success case. If you're ever going to pick a team to be successful with a Mega Millions goalie, I mean, Tampa Bay is your poster boy right now. Sweep by Columbus, notwithstanding. Um, you're looking at one of the most competitive teams in hockey over the past five years, or even more so. Again, they are, they weren't just going to let Vasilevsky walk. Um, There's no situation where they would really trade him. He's a premier talent, one of the best goaltenders in the league. Um, it's easy to pick small sample sizes and say, oh, he choked here, he wasn't great here. Um, you almost had to do it. You almost had to do exactly what they did. And he's going to be 27 when this extension kicks in. So you're only paying him through 35. So by the time this extension kicks in, he's a full three years younger than what Bobrovsky just got. So by that standard, yeah, that's that's very, very defendable. Is he going to be 27? He's he's uh, 20. He's, he's 20. He just turned 25. Oh, so he'll be 26. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. He'll well, be 20. Oh, yeah, that's really good. So you have him until 34 on that? Yeah, that's fine. For a goalie, that's absolutely fine. Uh, nothing else is moving on RFAs. Everyone's waiting for Mitch Marner. Thanks a lot, Paul Marner. You're ruining <laughs> our offseason. Can you please just do this soon? Because if you wait any longer, it's going to leak into our divisional preview episodes, and it's just going to throw the whole thing off. And we like to title our episodes cleanly at that time. We can't if you make some mega news and everything breaks all at once. So please, just sign. Sign now or sign after the season starts. Just sign because we need the other RFAs to sign. If, if When the Leafs sign Marner, can we just say getting mitched? Yeah, absolutely. There we go. I'll do that one. Future title. Look at that. Solved. Uh, He's absolutely going to sign during our season preview show. Oh, that would be so annoying. I won't even talk about it out of principle. <laughs> uh, and then there'll be the cascade of like nine other RFA signed within like an hour and a half. Ve- oh, God, yeah. It's going to be like the Subban trade and then the Hall trade all over again. There's probably agreements already in place. Braden Point saying, I'm going to take 93% of Mitch Marner. So as soon as Marner's is done, they just they just fill in the blank where the number has to go. I'm gonna. We're just going to have to read so much about taxes on Twitter from people who don't know anything about taxes. It's going to be such a headache. This is going to be an accounting podcast. <laughs> Evan, would, would, Evan, in theory, should be our biggest asset for that, but he'll just sit there and go, oh, I don't know. It's the weekend. I don't work on weekends. <laughs> How's my Evan impression? Was that good? <laughs> oh, my God. Dis- despairingly so? I'll why, take that. Why do people listen to us? Uh, we're going to do player profiles again. Oh, uh, I forgot about those. If we double up, let us know. We don't going. care because we can't re-record it. Uh, Dennis Cholosky is uh, entering a very important season. He had a, a good uh, – this is all stuff you've heard before, but he had a really good start to the season last year. Obviously, didn't last the entire season in the NHL, which is kind of to be expected uh, for defensemen of his age. Um, it's an incredibly hard position to break into and play a full 82 games. Unless you're like a Rasmus Dillian type, you're generally going to have to bounce around a little bit as you learn. Um, decision-making in his own zone – a little bit more consistency, uh, not panicking and, and making sure that he's marking his man on defense. Pretty much uh, in his own end is where they want him, him to improve the most. Which is fun because when you look at the advanced analytics of you know zone exits and all that stuff, he was on the top half of uh, the Red th- Wings. that Red Wings roster. So, so you and know, 
that's accountability and whatnot. Yeah, it's but not, that's uh, that, that's a conversation we've already had numerous times. Yeah, and, and I think it was the right move sending him back. I uh, disagree wholeheartedly. In the grand scheme of things, that the kind of stuff that they want him to work on, he would be. He was just getting exposed night after night in the NHL, and I think you genuinely want to take it a little bit easy on that. But I think the window for that is over because of the Red Wings' lack of deployable personnel. Well, I, they, would, I would like to see him have a strong camp and just be a regular this year. It's going to be growing pains, but... He absolutely needs to be a regular this year. I, I'm not going to argue that Chalosky definitely looked less dynamic towards the end of the season. And there's so many things that, that could chalk up to. Exhaustion. Other teams figuring him out. Blashill coaching stuff out of him. I don't even rule past because when Chalosky was having all the success at the beginning of the year, you watch his game. He was, I almost want to say a bit of a rover out there. Like he was just kind of doing whatever he thought would work. And a lot of it was working offensively, of course. But hey, if you create two goals for and cause one against every night, you're still a positive impact on the team. So his, his game looked a lot more bland towards the end of the year. And again, Exhaustion is probably the most likely of that, of those scenarios, or a combination of all. But his skill set is such that he's not going to learn from lessening his competition at this point, I believe. Chalosky is what he is. Competent defensively, very creative offensively, a fantastic passer and a great skater. Let him develop that against the top competition now. Don't shelter him. He will struggle this year. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, if we give Chalosky 82 games, he's going to put up 40 points. No, 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 no. Chalosky, if he plays 82 games this year, a great season would be if he's 30 points and only goes like a minus 15. Yeah. That'd be a great season for him um, based on what I'm expecting. But he needs those growing pains and you need to do it before you expect your team to be good. This is this is my thing that I hope Eisenman catches on to. The Red Wings have a very real possibility one to three years from now from being a good hockey team. And you don't want the team littered with unseasoned rookies at that point. You want the team littered with unseasoned rookies now. Yeah, well, you have the authority, the ability to do it's, so. I will use the exact same arguments for why Philip Zadina should be on the team this year. Oh, yeah. Different positional issues, different player issues. But for the, for the same reason, I want those growing pains now. There's uh, there's different kinds, right? Like, it's not just plain and simple. You put any rookie in the lineup, the growing pains will be there, but they'll make it through it. No, it genuinely breaks some people, and that's the justification for sending them down. Sending them down. But that, there Michael is, Rasmussen being a, a yes. good recent example and of that, that. Yeah, that's what I was going to point out. That's I'm a not good saying it's flip side of the coin. Yeah, I'm not saying what the argument I'm not making isn't true for everybody. Right. I look at the skill set of a player, where they're at in their development, and what they're struggling with. Yeah. I could see Rasmussen benefiting from going to Grand Rapids, getting physically stronger, focusing on his strength, his positioning, et cetera, et cetera. I see the benefit for him there. I don't see that for Zadina. I especially don't see that for Chalosky. They, Chalosky's a good enough hockey player. When the pace slows down, he's going to dominate. Defensively, offensively, whatever. He needs that high pace. He needs to lessen his decision-making time. He needs... Uh, extreme example he needs a Connor McDavid barreling down on him he needs to he because he needs night. he needs to adapt to it and that's that's the reality of where he's at in his development and again I'll repeat this till the season opens I don't expect him to thrive this year 
and that's okay as long as he's treading water i'm going to move us along to jared mcisaac who is our uh prospect profile um jared mcisaac obviously had a little bit of a strange season such a like a really great start and seemed to taper off in a way where you're like oh maybe it was just a hot start to the season um was still actually not bad he considering was, he had a shoulder injury that required surgery after the Memorial Cup f- out five to six months. And you're like, oh, he's been playing through injury. It came out literally all year. He yeah. played through the injury literally every single game he stepped on the ice last season. And finished, if I'm not mistaken, second in the QMJHL in defensive points per game. Yes. Which is notable because when we drafted Jared McIsaac, he was not billed as an offensive defenseman. He he was billed as a two-way defenseman who was capable offensively. So this little offensive explosion was a pleasant surprise. Expectations need to be a little tempered, though. He did play on a very offensively strong team, so he had help. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, good. it's good, though, because his fundamentals are there. He's a good skater. He's got a good shot. Like Those are the kinds of things where you're like put in a good situation those things this isn't a one-off they can come out again and it's worth noting when we drafted jared mcisaac he was a 2000 birthday so he was his age as his peers he wasn't a late birthday the reason i always like mentioning this for him and joe valeno given what they did in the qmjhl and making team canada world juniors is they did that where a majority of all the players around them in terms of the world juniors and in the quebec league who are around them for points per game for total output, yada, 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 were generally a year older than them. Because they were... McIsaac and Valeno were doing that as 18-year-olds. Most of the league was doing that as 19-year-olds and on the world, and 20-year-olds and on the world junior team. The bulk of the team was 19-year-olds. Sorry. So, not only were they two of the most dominant players at their positions in the league, they were doing it at a, air quotations, disadvantage. Because they didn't have that extra year of development. I was truly excited to watch McIsaac go into this season and just dominate the queue. Unfortunately, he won't be playing until December at this point from the looks of it. So that won't be as fun, but it should be good. Halifax, I don't think, is going to be dominant this year. But maybe he gets the Valeno treatment and traded to a contender at the deadline. And and gets to go on another run. Because he did go to the QMJHL finals. He did play in the Memorial Cup. And even with his bad shoulder getting worse, looked great. Yeah, so the most important things for him right now are strong recovery, um, having another good season after he gets back on the ice. Just keep the momentum going. Good World Juniors. and Assuming uh, he's healthy by the World Juniors, but it's yeah. looking like he will be. Yeah. And as a returning player, he's probably going to be on the team and he'll probably wear a letter. It's been re- Yeah, it's been reported that his recovery is going really well, like really smoothly, already showing a lot of like uh, strength returning. So that's really, really promising to hear. Um I, it could have been bad, you know, a guy playing through that all season, or at least like he heard it and then he re-aggravated it at this start of like the second half of the season. Like you don't want a guy putting that many high intensity games on that injury this young. No, so and, it's good that he's recovering well. And, and coming from my background in the fitness industry, shoulders suck, man. That's not a joint you screw around with because those that's one of the injuries that tends to linger. Yeah, you hurt your rotator cuff, you hurt any of your ligaments in there, yada yada yada. It's not a, a joint you can keep stable for very long, so. Full 100% heel is rare in a shoulder. Like, just honestly, look at Austin Matthews with Toronto. He's two, three injuries on his shoulder now. So that's just that's just the way it is. That's the way the human body's built. So this is the type of injury he absolutely should not, under any circumstance, rush back from. Uh, I'm going to move us to overtime because we got another episode to record after this. Right. Forgot about that. That'll be a little quicker, but... 
this uh, our overtimes, of course, are brought to you by Patreon supporters, whose comments are read out on air, guaranteed as our way of saying thank you for supporting the show. Chris Cannell says, Hello, gentlemen. Had to listen to the last two shows late as I was in Hawaii on vacation. Rub it in, why don't you? Oh, bite me. Uh, and let me tell you, I don't think this will be my last visit. I was thinking about this the other day. Is there a loophole in the CBA that would allow a player on an ELC to have a year, slide a year on their contract if they don't play more than nine games in a season? Great show as always, guys. Yeah. Like, ELC year slides are always a thing. Yeah. Like, that's what they're doing. That's what they did with Zadina. That's why Zadina went back at Game 9. That was yeah. very much to slide his ELC. So yeah. he hasn't burned a year of that yet. Uh, KWAS says, guys, what does boat stand for? Uh, naturally, the first time I tried to put it in the water, it doesn't start up. Life is not fair, and I'm always reminded of it. Uh, someone, I, I don't know what the joke here, like, I don't know the answer to this joke, but I've read everywhere that the best two days of a boat owner's life are the day they buy the boat and the day they sell it. Because apparently it's just a money sink. So there's no, like, joke here. It's just owning a boat sucks. Yeah, I think. Is, is the point of the comment? Because, like, I've heard winning a title referred to as getting the boat. Getting the championship, ship, uh, ship, boat. He says, Sens acquired Callahan's contract, huh? Well, I'm sure he'll be a great addition to their team. Uh, one last thing. Water skiing or wakeboarding? Wakeboarding. Water skiing. That's risky as a male. Why? Because there is nothing keeping your legs as they are. I've never done either. But I just feel like one would be more fun than the other. I've I've wakeboarded before. Mm. And at no point did I feel like I was going to blow my groin out. So that was a plus. Uh, Kaylin Wood says, boys, I'm back in town. I got to be honest. The off-season pods are just as good as the regular season. Never experienced a Wings postseason pod because bad. Uh, so don't get discouraged. We, we've done them. That. We've done Wings postseason podcasts. It's happened. This is how you know we've existed for longer than we probably should have. He maybe wasn't on board. No, I know. Oh, yeah. I yeah. know. But there's... Yeah. When we started, we had two years or one year? We had two years because we had the game seven. Against Tampa, and yes. then we had the less thrilling series the year after. Yes. Uh, I don't know what to ask other than something non-hockey related, so here goes. If you could have one dream job outside of sports, what would it be? Money is no object. This is a pure passion thing. Cheers, boys. Keep up the good work and whatever else you do. Outside of hockey? So I can't pick, like, scout or GM <sighs> yeah. or something like that? Okay, oh, that's fair. This is getting tough now. Um, I would like to own my own gym. Like, I don't report to anybody but me. I can do what I want with it. I can put up the specialized areas that I want because if money's no object, I'm going to build oh, it yeah. how I want it. Money's um, no object then. But in today's day and age with how the industry is, owning your own gym is a terrible idea. Nobody should ever do that. But what am I passionate about outside of this? Um, I don't know. How do you turn seasonal affective disorder into money? Yeah. <laughs> uh the professional camping during the season where it's not extremely hot and also the bugs aren't too bad yet. So you're basically going to be a camp tour guide for like September. No, no, I don't want to tour people. Oh, okay. I just want to camp. So you can be less Stroud. Yeah, I'll do that. You can be Survivor Man. Yeah. September, October are great times to camp, You're, you're the September, October Survivor Man. That's my thing. Yeah, I'll yeah. do that. Bring the dog. Bring some friends. I, I, yeah, that that's what I would want to do. That or like astrophotography. I'm not good at astrophotography, but it's cool and I love space and I love looking at the stars. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Wasserberger says, gentlemen, my fiance and I are about to get married. Hey, congratulations, man. Uh, October 5th, Wings opening night. Yes, it is. And she, a Blackhawks fan, wants us to walk out to the reception to Chelsea Dagger. Uh, that's grounds for divorce before the marriage starts. Yeah. 
I obviously am very against this, but it begs the question. If you happen to be in my situation, what thing or package of things would you need in in return to agree to walk out to that bastard of a song in front of all of your closest friends and family? Things I have considered. At some point, I get to throw a stuffed toy octopus at her during the reception. Two, at some point, I, th- I get to throw an actual octopus somewhere during the reception. Obviously not at her. <laughs> I mean, hmm. I mean, it might be worth it. Three, I get to cut Chelsea Dagger off uh, remotely and replace it with I Would Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That by Meatloaf. Four, our first dog must be named Henroff, Henruff Zetterbark. Okay, I have it. Now, here's the thing. Throwing the octopus and all that stuff sounds like great in theory, but those are things where like a majority of the people at the wedding are going to miss just because they won't be paying attention to you at that particular moment. So you need something where everybody's going to be paying attention. So if she's getting the walkout, you basically, after that point, have two more opportunities where you're going to control the room and everybody's going to be looking at you. Three more. We'll say speeches, cake, first dance. First dance, obviously she's not going to give that to you. Speeches, you don't get control on what everybody else says, so that leaves you with the cake. It's a Red Wings cake, and you cut it to hey, hey, hockey town playing. <laughs> I think you go outside of the wedding here. Let this, let her win this. That'll be fine. You'd be a good sport about it. And you get the uh, option to grossly overspend on a signed jersey of your choice, and you go to the home opener next year, and you have her meet the uh, host of your favorite podcast. I think it should. I think you should milk this. Get plan like Steve Eisman. Get draft picks later on. Forget the assets now. Are you planning on having children? Because you could have some leverage here. <laughs> uh, Rowan says, "Good day, Dud Duds. I'm back from the Great Barrier Reef and was not eaten by a single crocodile during my adventures up north, uh, which is a funny phrase to use for someone from Australia. Uh, we're still suffering through the lingering effects of winter, but I'm not sure you guys can relate to the horrors we go through." Oh, the six degrees Celsius mornings. Brr. I would murder for a six degree Celsius morning at this point. <laughs> Please, just some cold air. Why? I still struggle to think back in time when our ancestors settled on this wonderful land. How? Why? Who thought this was a good idea? They just, they obviously settled here in the summer, clearly, because nobody in the right mind will walk north, go, this is awful. Let's set up camp here. But then they went through the winter and decided, you know what? We're going to stay here. I don't think the winter's our problem. Uh, when, could you imagine not having electricity and trying to survive this godforsaken country? The heat has been so bad. Yes, but I want you to remember this heat when it's minus 25 with the wind chill. Mm. No, that's not the way my brain works. You know it. Uh, so Joe Heck and Valeno looked more and more like the exceptional status player he once was. Pretty smart of him to take it easy for a season and a half on a garbage team so he could be drafted by the Wings. Lulled everyone into a false sense of security and now has more goals than Connor McDavid this week. And was able <laughs> to mentor future Red Wing Alexi Lafreniere as well. What an all-around good guy. Can't help but notice that you haven't started the GoFundMe yet to get me over for opening night. My online post and likely podcast sponsor, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, a Fournier company, has already pledged $1,000 towards this noble cause. With your alleged 500,000 listeners, we should be able to do this pretty easily. Sort it out, and to all the listeners, give generously. Uh, if we if this ever becomes like a mega podcast and we get like you know Joe Rogan level sponsors, we'll bring you over, Rowan. Will we? Because like I feel like that's a lot of money for us to spend just for me to be verbally assaulted for forty eight hours. Oh, I would pay double for that. <laughs> this is true. That's a good point. Uh, funny thing, flights from Australia for two are holy hell. 
I don't even want to know. Yeah. Uh, jersey time. Can't quite remember if you've done this yet, but maybe a variant. Favorite non-Red Wings jersey that is currently in use. So 2018-2019 season. I'm pretty sure we did this like three weeks ago. Either Kachina or Colorado alternates. Give me Vegas. I'll take Kachina or Colorado or alternates. The Rangers jerseys are, I think we don't give them enough love either. Uh, this content has probably been brought to you by Stay Fresh Cheese Bags. Importing tons of drugs across the border to ensure no tight packed freshness, to ensure no tight packed freshness, zero breakage, and not being detected by the DEA. Use Stay Fresh Cheese Bags. The professional drug baron's choice. You're going to get us arrested, man. <laughs> we're, we're on a list now. Thanks. Don Mitchell says, what's up, boys? Gearing up for my 12-hour road trip to Detroit at the end of the week. Can't wait. Can you confirm that Hiroshi switched to 67 to troll the Leafs? Uh, no, I don't think that's actually why, but that'd be a funny reason if it if was. I don't think that's a legitimate reason, but if I find out it is, that's my next jersey purchase. <laughs> uh, if so, is that bar karma? And if it's true, where can I buy one? Is there a recent free agent sign? Uh, is there a recent free agent signed to the team that you're looking forward to the most? Personally, mine is Kasky. Uh, I mean, Philpola was my one of my favorites back in the day, so like the nostalgia happiness is there. If Nemeth, I expect nothing from him, but if Nemeth can just play decent defense, I think that'll be refreshing. Uh, I seem to remember you guys not having a ton of memorabilia, but what is your most prized one? If you have one, I'll post mine on Twitter to save face from my signed Emerton and Weiss jerseys from last week. Uh, Don't have a ton of memorabilia. What podcast have you been listening to? Uh, Brad's signed Gordy Howe jersey is very cool. Brad also has a piece of the glass from the Joe, which I've been trying desperately to get and haven't don't, been able to. Don't forget about my uh, Detroit Free Press printing plate signed by Nick Listrom from the day after they won the 08 Cup. Yeah, I don't have any of that. i got to <laughs> rob Brad, really. I've got a Wayne Gretzky autograph right behind you. Ah, who cares? Is that the guy that gave the puck away to Steve Eisenman? That is. Uh, thanks, as always. And if you have a funny Mickey Redmond story, I'd love to hear it. Cheers, Don. Oh, I'm sure we'll have plenty of those. The only Mickey Redmond story I have personal level is when he bailed on an episode of our podcast because Jeff Blashill decided to fly the team out early because he was pissed at them. And I'll never forgive Blashill for that. Uh, Garrett TV says, hola, hockey amigos. The news that's been tricking, trickling out about Paul Fenton has been alarming. Without going into detail, it just seems like massive ineptitude across the board. Um, from people management to media relations to general business operations. As bad he, as he was, clearly Leopold is uh, largely to blame for bringing in an unqualified GM in the first place. And with that said, what do you think it would take to get Eisenman fired? I'm asking seriously, we've been so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed since he arrived, and what would an Eisenman failure scenario look like? And how long is the leash before we can legitimately start to call questionable moves? Call out questionable moves. I'm not saying it'll go bad, but it'd be foolish to expect everything goes perfectly along the way. Plus, Furk it, it's the offseason, so let's get frisky and wonder, what if? Ciao, let's go Red Wings. Five years of no playoffs, a bunch of lottery picks, and the lottery picks don't seem to be panning out too well. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, also, the uh, you can start making questions. You could have started make, making uh, calling out questionable moves whenever you wanted, but truly, from here on out is when he has complete control over every facet of the team. This next draft is his draft. You know he has enough time to take over all that now. Um, if there's he hasn't done anything that can burn him, like the contracts he signed have been so like unimpactful. Um, but yeah, at any point you can start calling him out. But yeah, we can start calling him out right now because arguably the biggest thing he's done as a GM right now wasn't the Nemeth or Philpola thing is I love the guy. I love the player. He's growing on me, but I'm still very heavily questioning Mort Sider at six. Yeah. And I will continue to question that, especially after looking at what Trevor Zegers and Cole Caulfield did this week. Also, I'm just going to say it. 
Kirby Doc looked really looked really good, which wasn't an option for Detroit, thankfully. Because now here's the thing: because I said the whole time, like I was being harsh on Kirby Doc, but I was also rooting for the kid to succeed. Do I have to go back on that now that he's been drafted by Chicago? I feel like I'm back against him. Yep. yep. So him 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 succeeding is all of us losing now, right? Technically. Yes, Unless, oh, but in if, every way. But if he's on a line with Valeno at the World Juniors, I mean, this is all so confusing. Do I want the kid to succeed or not, Ryan? I actually don't know. Your, uh, yeah, Eisenman's leash is very long. It's going to take, you saw how long it took to move on from Ken Holland, which arguably took too long. Um, Eisenman will have five years. Uh, Joseph Fournier says, stay fresh cheese bags. Keep your players and prospects fresh even when you need to dump your GM after only a year on the job. Product not guaranteed for Matt Zuccarello. Still don't know what to make of this, but I'm sure you've already discussed it. Craig Leopold is a little crazy. Remember his I feel giddy comments when Parisi and Suter came to the wild? Just a few years after blasting the league and free agency process with his woe is me cries for help as a poor, abused owner of the Predators. Yeah, I canceled him years ago. However, Paul Fenton made some really bad trades and signings and needs to go based on those decisions alone. That Zuccarello contract will be bought out before it's done. Who knows what really happened behind closed doors? The oddest part of this was Sean Burke out of the blue blasting the athletic for their unnamed sources. Uh, but see, I don't know how hockey media works. But Burke is a convicted convicted wife beater. Oh, that was so long. I forgot about that. I did not know that, and I just listened to uh, Spit and Chicklets where he was on, and now I feel gross. Um, was convicted? It, like not was allegedly? I don't sure. know. I can't remember. Anyways, yeah, uh, his comments were weird. It was like calling out people for being sources, and I'm like, that's how journalism works. Though, yeah, like, right? literally, that's you basically calling everything Bob McKenzie does a sham. Yeah. Like, why, the whole, like, why don't you man up and say it to their face? Like, that's not the way the world works, man. Because then there will be no sources, because everybody will be unemployed. Also, and nobody's saying, like, this person, Paul Fenton's a bad man, and I'm coming out against him. They're literally just leaking information. It's, and you, inf- it's the trade of information. And do people not realize that leaking information is entertainment that grows their business? No. Because we tweet about this, we talk about this, it's content. Old Boys Club. Oh. Yeah. I know. By the way, uh, just circling back because we didn't address it before. The real reason Paul Fenton was fired was the Zuccarello lizard tongue comment, right? Yeah, we're, that we're was all, too much. We're all in agreement here? That was too much. Because it didn't even make sense. No. That, that was like, uh, I feel icky after like, that. I've heard a lot of really bad metaphors in the hockey world but like you at least understood them i don't un- i never understood that comment i don't get the reference i don't get the context i don't get the metaphor i just uh i'm gonna keep reading the comment what's even more mind-boggling was steve simmons suggestion who the real paul uh that ron francis add fenton to his staff in seattle i'm not even sure who the real paul fenton is anymore is he a state of mind or an amorphous blob better keep them all together and put him in a stay fresh cheese bag you guys are fucking nuts man anybody uh, who hires paul fenton after that Either knows something we all don't know or just truly has deeply bought into the old boys club because there's, again, much like Shirelli, there's no reason. Whereas Shirelli, you could understand employing him in like a director role like you talked about because he does have his skills from a management standpoint. Uh, Paul Fenton doesn't have those. And the hockey moves he made weren't good, so... Proud to be a sponsor of Rowan's GoFundMe pending winning lottery ticket. Remember, Steve Eisman is GM of the Detroit Red Wings. Stay fresh. Uh, have time for a couple of Reddit questions. Uh, Amethyst Ashborer. Oh, man. That's a name. Um, stupid beetle. 
discussed Steve Eisman hiring a new strength coach and conditioning coach, Mike Barwis. I forgot about that. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, it was reported, um, I believe Justin Spiro on Twitter, or Spiro, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, uh, was the first to put it out there. Uh, Mike Barwis was a former head strength and conditioning coach for uh, U of M football, and he was named the director of human performance for the Detroit Red Wings. Um, according to him, uh, he was heavily recruited by Steve Eisman, um, and the Red Wings are going to be completely revamping their program. Um, everything I've, I've known about the guy before, like he has a really, really great reputation across professional sports, uh, collegiate sports. Um, he's worked with Red Wings in the past on like a one-to-one basis or just with a group of guys. This is good news. Um, really well regarded. The Red Wings do have a history of uh, injury, and sometimes I don't want to say they have a, a problem with player conditioning, but eh, you can look at uh, the issues the Kaiser and Mantha have been having, and um, not that they're easy solutions to solve, but someone in that position you would hope would have solved them by now. Now I haven't been able to find this anywhere else, but the the organization is notoriously tight-lipped under Steve Eisman. Um, Justin goes on to talk about how. Um, Eisenman's assessment was that the Red Wings were pretty behind the times with their fitness and health programs. Uh, not a lot changed by way of philosophy, staff, methods, etc. They may have been understaffed as well, and so this is part of a big revamp uh, for Eisenman to get everything modernized and up to speed. So if that's all true, uh, then this is not just a good hire, it's a great hire for the Red Wings to get back up to speed. So yeah, that's you were, this is the summer of Eisenman. We've seen it with his... Um, moving on from certain personnel in terms of directors of amateur scouting, other scouts, professional scouts, uh, now even, you know, director of human performance and fitness guys, he's changed. This is going to become his organization and it's already well underway. Uh, the magic man 1343 says, what are your guys' opinion on Howard? I think he's really underrated as a goalie. He's obviously not a superstar attendee, but he's a solid starter for a team that lacks defense and scoring. That is literally my opinion of him. Yeah, he's, he fine. Yeah. Uh, Shale Ravengard says each finger on your right hand gets to dispense one drink. Cannot combine liquids. A mimosa doesn't count as one drink. Those are the only five drinks you get to have for the rest of your life. What five drinks do you pick? Ooh, okay. Well, water's the necessity. Water's your thumb. I'm a big milk drinker, so I'm going to go milk. I use, yeah, I use it a lot too. I don't know what, if I'd go almond milk or regular milk, but some kind of milk. I think I'd go 2% just to be safe. 1% just to spite you. Ugh. Um, do I have to pick a brand of beer? Because beer is coming out of one of them. Yeah. Well, our first three are the same right now. Yeah. Beer. So I've got water, milk, beer. Yeah. I don't drink a ton else, honestly. So yeah, me either. I mean, I think I'd throw in a whiskey there just to spice things up. And then I'd probably pick like a soft drink or a juice that I like, but I don't drink any of those regularly. So I'm going to have to. I'll go Coke. Vanilla Coke. I'm going. I'll go Coke and then I'll go. Maybe a juice. Because I can mix a vanilla Coke and a whiskey, and that'll what, still be good. What's the juice? I love pineapple juice. Yeah, I'll go those five. That's a, that's a funny question. Uh, we are actually, I think we should probably wrap this up, eh? Yeah, we got another episode to record, Dingus. This is the Winged Wheel Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, thank you for tuning in during the off season. We appreciate you guys so much. All of our listeners, all of our name level sponsors. Oh, guys, we put out the poster for the um, uh, meetup. It's on Twitter. Go check it out. Uh, October 6th, Founders Brewing in Detroit, starting at 1 p.m. Be there. This time we don't need an official RSVP, but let us know if you're coming. Uh, 
Thank you to all of our name level sponsors Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Don Mitchell, Clayton Van Dyke, and Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Sean Levine, Kaylin Wood, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, and Hannah Lee. Thank you all so very much. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.